in, never clock out. No way with the slackers. No, no way with the slackers. No, 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 no way with the slackers. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Full time with my food. There is no difference. For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We still the same from the east, from the west, we still the same. Black, white, every shade, still the same. Upper class, lower class, still the same. I know we hate each other, but we still the same. I'm from the north, you from the south, we still the same. Black, white, that's right, still the same. Republican, Democrat, still the same. I know we hate each other, but we still the same. Tell me how you hate me, you don't even know my name Had me figured out before I ever said a thing I look like someone that you knew way back in the day So you won't get to know me cause you think that we're the same What makes you different? Are you made in this image? Are you saved by the Christ through repentance? Do you know that he died on the cross? It was there that he said it was finished But you don't like this, cause you think I'm self-righteous And I don't like that you don't like this, cause you're just like this Hypocrite, still the same I'm from the east, you from the west, we still the same Black, white, every shade, still the same Upper class, lower class, still the same I know we hate each other, but we still the same I'm from the north, you from the south, we still the same Black, white, that's right, still the same Republican, Democrat, still the same I know we hate each other, but we still the same uh, If you broke, if you paid, nothing changes but the change You feel lost when you lose, you feel saved when you save Salvation ain't a feeling Jesus didn't die to make a killing He died to make a living With love for us, it was for us to usher into heaven We don't love them back, so we turn our backs We rather resent than repent So we choose hell over heaven Now we sentimental to the sinner's mental That's not the same I'm from the east, you from the west, we still the same Black, white, every shade, still the same Upper class, lower class, still the same I know we hate each other, but we still the same I'm from the north, you from the south, we still the same Black, white, that's right, still the same Republican, Democrat, still the same I know we hate each other, but we still the same I know we hate each other, probably cause we ain't each other So we fake and say we brothers, I wanna be you Cause your grass looks green, and you wanna be me Cause my grass green too, we're still the same Why do we complain? Even when we're different, we the same Hatred has become our entertainment Internet exposing inner racist When the saints go marching in I wanna be in that arrangement That's why I repent in Jesus' name When it comes to heaven, we're the same Yo, 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 welcome to the Path of Revelation podcast I'm your host, Gabriel Parker And this is where the culture meets scripture Listen, that was the featured song for this episode By my brother, 
J. Will Music, still the same from his latest album, Inspire God's People. Listen, if y'all haven't checked out the album and his podcast, which is also titled Inspire God's People, you're most definitely missing out. I got to have Jay on here. You know, I haven't had him on on an episode in a while, probably in the very near future. And listen, he just dropped an amazing visual music video for the song. That's why one of the reasons why I played it today on today's show. So make sure you check out the music video for Still the Same. Um, I pray everyone is adjusting to the new year as well. You know, I, I don't know about you. I've been super self-conscious about not writing 2019 on my documents because every year, whenever in the beginning of the new year, Every year, I always make a mistake and write down the previous year. And so um, I've been extra careful um, with all of my documents and work documents and things of that nature, not to write 2019 on it. And uh, I've been doing good so far. I'm actually surprised I haven't made made a mistake. I remember last year around this time. Like I went through a whole work day writing like 2019. All of my documents were scratched out uh, or writing 2018. I mean, and all of my work documents were scratched out to write 2019. And so I've been really um, super careful <laughs> not to make a mistake and write 2019, 2020. Um, I hope everybody's pushing forward. You know, last episode, um, I talked about the best version of yourself. And so I want to I want to continue with this conversation, but I want to take it to the next level or to the next phase. And so today's show is titled Benefits of Denying Yourself. Benefits of Denying Yourself. Um, I, I talked about it last show and how the world the, per, the world's prescription for self-improvement isn't always God's prescription for self-improvement. While the world is saying love yourself and people are striving to love themselves. You know, when we look on social media, everyone has a, a demeanor and a, and a posture of look at me, look what I'm doing, look at my body, look at my clothes, look at my job, look at my life, and everyone's striving to love themselves, but in the midst of everyone striving to love themselves, it seems like depression is at an all-time high, anxiety is at an all-time high, uh, suicide is at an all-time high, and mental health, the, the topic of mental health is like one of the most prominent conversations of of the day because I and one of the reasons why I believe that is is because people are striving to love themselves and and I don't think see see this I want to be careful through here because I think it's a difference between loving yourself and knowing your self-worth See, I don't think the issue is that we don't love ourselves enough. I think one of the biggest issues with society today is that people love themselves too much. And what happens when you love yourself too much, you don't consider others. Um, you, you, There's a selfishness and there, there's a self-centeredness 
um, there's a lack of authenticity that that is that our culture has today because everyone is striving to love themselves and trying to build themselves up in the eyes of others. And so um, one of the answers, one of the main keys, I believe, is self-denial. But one of the things I do want to stress, and I believe that a, a major key um, and, and what I believe the world lacks today and even the church is we don't realize how much God loves us. When we have, I believe we can't fully know our worth if we don't know how much God loves us. And so I think a major part of this conversation, and I have to start off with this, is it is so important that we understand God's love. You know, a lot of times we're like, oh, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Hey, but but it's like we take we take what Christ really did for us for granted like Jesus didn't just die for us but he also lived for us think about it he endured temptation he over he went through trials and situations the Bible says that uh, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 through 16 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So just think about your darkest hour. Just think about your greatest temptation. Christ experienced that and more, but yet he was without sin. And verse 16 goes on to say, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus didn't just die for us and rise from the grave for us, but he actually lived. He the awesome, the amazing a part about Christ, who is God manifested in the flesh, is the fact that God humbled himself and put on human flesh and subjected himself willfully to the human experience. The God of the universe, the one who spoke and it was put him, put himself in my shoes. Put himself in your shoes. Like if that's not love, I don't know what is. What love is that? And so he subjected himself to to our experience. And, and the scripture just leaps out the page at me when it talks about how he who knew no sin, referring to Christ, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And so I truly believe the key is not loving yourself, but coming into a knowledge of how much God loves you. It's not about self-love, it's about God's love. And so 
we have to understand that God loves us. He loves us. It doesn't matter what people say about us. It doesn't matter what uh, who's counted us out. I don't care if it was your mama, your daddy or a loved one who spoke death in your life and said you would never amount to anything. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God proved it in the work of Christ Jesus. And so I want to set that foundation because I really believe and I was just sharing. Actually, I was sharing this with Jay earlier. Jay will is I believe that a lot of times how we treat each other and how we go about life is a direct reflection of what we believe about God and what we believe God thinks about us. And so we 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 think because man is fickle, we think that God is fickle. We think because people disappoint us and fail us that God will fail us. We think because people judge and condemn us that God is judging and condemning us. And a lot of times God is calling us to repentance. He's calling us to our purpose and our identity in him. And so it's important that we get a good perspective of God's love. And that's something that I'm in this, especially in the future shows moving forward. That's something that I'm purposing to talk about more the love of God. I think I do a pretty good job of talking about God's justice and wrath, but I want, I want to do a better job of highlighting that aspect because if we get a revelation of how much God loves us, man, it's life changing. And I never want to take for granted what he did for me by putting on human flesh and living the, uh, subjecting himself to the human experience and dying and suffering the penalty of sin and death from on my behalf. Man, what love is that, that he would do that for us? But listen, let's continue. The benefits of denying yourself. And I think this is something that the church as a whole needs to gravitate to like never before. We're in a damn time where many churches are conditioning, many conditioning believers, and many of us have been conditioned, excuse me, to view God from a, <clears throat> excuse me, from a transactional standpoint. And what I mean by that is we view God as a means to external things and material things like God I'm waiting for my next promotion on my job God I'm believing you for new clothes and money in my bank I'm believing you for a new car I'm believing you for a new house and we and and listen God will supply those things and he will give those things to to people not just believers the Bible says he reigns on the just and the unjust alike but I believe the greatest benefits of serving God are the things that take place internally. And so I think what happens in a lot of our churches is we have been conditioned to 
pursue our ambitions and our desires and put those things on God. In other words, what I mean by that, and I'm hoping I'm wording this right. We've been conditioned to make our will God's will instead of submitting our will to his will. Because, listen, there are some things that I've prayed for, things that I've desired and I've prayed and asked God, God, I need this. I want this. And God did not do it. And I was disappointed in the moment. But as time went on, I saw why God did not grant that prayer. I saw why God didn't grant that request. And I saw that what I was asking for was not good for me. And I and 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 look and catch this. I saw that God had better. And so. We have to understand the benefits of denying ourselves. If we look at Luke chapter nine, verse 23 through 24, and I read this last week, but I, I need to revisit this as, as we go further. Jesus says something powerful. He says in something that really sounds crazy in today's culture and society. He says to all, if anyone would come after me, <clears throat> let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. Listen, that doesn't even that doesn't even sound like it makes sense. He says for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? In the King James, it says lose it, lose his soul. The key to saving and finding your life, or in other words, the reason why you were created your purpose is to first lose your will. If I'm going to save my life, I have to first lose my life. What is Jesus actually saying? Jesus is saying for you to step into your purpose and your destiny, for you to step into why you were created, you first have to deny your idea of why you were created. Like when we look at the story of the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler was excited to follow Jesus. He was he was excited to be in the presence of Jesus until Jesus challenged his idol, which was his power and his wealth. And this is why Jesus said, hey, if you're going to follow me, first take all that you have, sell it and give the the money to the poor, then follow me. And you will have great treasure in heaven. The Bible says the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. He didn't like what Jesus was saying. He didn't. He he valued what was in front of him, which was his earthly power and his earthly treasure more than Christ. And the kingdom to come eternity in heaven. 
in the presence of our Lord. He valued things, external things, more than the things of the spirit. And church, I believe that we lack power. We don't see demons being cast out. We don't see deliverance taking place like we should because we are not denying ourselves and turning to Christ. See, there's a gospel and there's a false. And, and when I say a gospel, there's a false gospel and a false antichrist message that is being preached in many of our churches and in, in, on, on in mainstream Christianity that says, hey, you can chase Christ without denying yourself. You can chase Christ without surrendering your ambitions. You can chase Christ without surrendering your desires. But Jesus said, if you're going to save your life, you must first lose it. And so there's a reality that a lot of times you are the problem getting in the way of you. My biggest enemy isn't the devil. My biggest enemy is Gabriel. Your biggest enemy isn't the isn't the devil. Your biggest enemy is you. And so when we look at like Romans chapter seven, Paul, I love this because Paul is just keeping it real. In Romans seven, Paul is finding out the struggle with sin and he's realizing that the struggle with sin in his, within his flesh is real. And he writes, and when we look at Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 15 through 25, and listen, the book of Romans is just out cold. I, you got to read the book of Romans if you haven't. Um, but looking at Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul is writing and he's expressing the rest, the, the, the war that he's having with himself. Verse 15, he says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Have you ever had something that you knew you weren't supposed to do, but you did it anyway? Like you like, man, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that. I knew I wasn't supposed to call her. I knew I wasn't supposed to call him. I knew I wasn't supposed to go to their house and for Netflix and chill at, 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 at 10 o'clock at night. I knew I wasn't supposed to hang with them. I knew I should have cut them off. And you find yourself in a place of sin doing what you don't what you did not want to do. But there was something in you that wanted to do what you knew not to do. And so he says, reading on in verse 17, he says, for now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right. 
He says, part of me wants to do what's right, but not the ability to carry out. He says, I, I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Have you ever wanted to do the right thing, but you literally did not have the ability to do it? Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want. He says, I don't I don't do the right thing when I want to do the right thing. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Man, I don't know about y'all. Have you ever been there? Like I've been there plenty of times. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 21. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Verse 23. But I see in my members. In other words, when it's when you see the Bible says in my members is referring to in my body. But I see in my body another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members or in my body. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? In verse 25, this is when the victory comes. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Is your flesh stronger than your mind? Is your flesh stronger than your spirit man see this is what it comes down to is your flesh stronger than your spirit man that's the question that we have to ask ourselves because it's not a question of whether or not temptation is going to come or temptation is going to happen it's a matter of when and are we going to be ready because I've learned to not look at temptation. See, a lot of times we look at temptation from a defeated mindset. And what do I mean by that? We look at temptation as an opportunity to sin. But the victorious mindset looks at temptation as an opportunity to do what's right. And I know where my spirit is based off of how I'm viewing temptation. It's not that temptation isn't hard and challenging because it is. And we have to understand the Bible talks about in James chapter one, verse 13. When we are tempted, we're not tempted of God. But but every person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death and so temptation reveals something in us that is foreign to God's will when we're tempted the desire to do what is wrong 
but I also have to recognize it as an opportunity to do what's right. And so what how do we how do we deny ourselves? Because I know we're in the new years and a lot of our a lot of us are on corporate fast with our churches, many of our churches, which I think is dope because fasting um there's a right way to fast and there's a wrong way to fast. But fasting is a great way to deny yourself. Um, when we look at fasting, um, turning away a plate or turning away food when you're hungry or cutting off entertainment like social media or video games and television to sacrifice and give that time to the Lord and saying, hey, in this moment, I'm not going to do what my flesh wants to do. It's, it's like training, really, when we sacrifice and deny. It's a form of denying yourself. Like when 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 I don't do what my flesh wants to do, I'm I'm training. I'm I'm training myself to be disciplined. Because here's the thing. I look at temptation and, and I've, I've, I think I've used this analogy before on the show. I look at temptation a lot like sports, in a sense. If you're if you've ever played sports, you understand that the off season is just as important as the as the actual season, because in the off season, that's where when you should be working hard to prepare for the season. And what happens is if you weren't working out and uh, practicing and exercising like you should have. During the off season, oh man, it's gonna show when the when it's when the season comes. When it's game time, it's gonna show. You go if you if you weren't if you were slacking off, you gonna be all in the game, tired and no stamina, missing shots you should make, and all of those things because preparation is key in our spirit um, in this walk. In this Christian lifestyle, in this Christian walk, the same is necessary. A lot of times what happens with us is we wait till we're in a compromised position to call on the name of the Lord. We wait till we're in the heat of temptation to begin to call on the name of the Lord. And we're and 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 instead of the times when we're not in the heat of temptation or being tempted, those should be the times when we're seeking God. Those should be the times when we're in our word. Those should be the times when we're fasting and praying, when when we're not being tempted, because temptation is coming. Listen, we're all going to be tempted and face and face trials until we go home to see Jesus. And so we as believers have to prepare ourselves. There is benefits in denying yourself. Listen, when we look at Jesus in in Matthew chapter four in the wilderness, something jumped out at me today that I did not notice before. Um, But when we look at Jesus And I'm not going to go through all the temptations that he was tempted with by the devil in the wilderness. But something jumped out when we look at Matthew chapter four, verse one through two. It says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness 
to be tempted by the devil. So the spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse two, catch this. And after and after smack your neighbor and say after. <laughs> no, I'm joking. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then verse three, we see the devil coming to tempt him. Now, what jumps out to me in this story that I hadn't noticed, and I've read this story for years, I've read this story probably hundreds of times or heard commentaries on it. But what stuck out to me about the Jesus being tempted in the wilderness this time was the spirit of the Lord led him in to be tempted in the wilderness, to be tempted of the devil, and Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was tempted after he fasted you know what i see jesus didn't wait till he was tempted to deny to deny himself or to try to deny himself jesus was already fasting 40 days and 40 nights and at the end of his fast then the devil shows up to tempt him jesus was prepared he was putting in the work prior to the temptation. And I'm listening. I'm not saying, hey, now go out there and fast 40 days and 40 nights. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Man, I, some of y'all wouldn't make it <laughs> two days <laughs> with just water. But that's another story. I'm joking. But listen, what I'm saying, though, is we have to prepare ourselves and we have to look at the example that Jesus laid out for us. Jesus denied himself. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat. He just prayed. He seek the faith. He, I'm sure he was hungry on day one. <laughs> and listen, there are different fasts and things of that nature, and that's something that I may talk about on next show. Um, but we have to deny ourselves. What does that look like today in practical terms, in, pr in, in practicality? Act, um, in how do we apply that to our life? I deny myself. There's certain things that I used to watch, and I'm, and I'm not going to go into the details of everything, but there's certain things I used to watch on Netflix, certain movies I used to watch. I don't watch them no more. Do I still want to watch them? Yes. My flesh wants to watch them, but I deny myself. There's certain conversations I used to have and certain things I used to talk about. There's there's certain dirty jokes that used to come from my mouth. There's certain things that used to come from my mouth and things I used to think were humorous and funny that I don't find funny no more. I don't want to talk like that no more. I don't want to listen to the things that I used to listen to. And, and, and it's not that there's not a desire in my flesh for those things, but while I'm not being tempted, while, t while I'm not in the heat of temptation, I learn how to um, starve my flesh. I'm, I'm learning how to sacrifice. And listen, I'm not standing here claiming to be an expert 
But I am working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I don't want to think more highly of myself than I ought to. But we have to be seeking God when things are going great. We have to be seeking God when things are going terrible. God has to be our source regardless of what is going on in our lives. I made a post earlier today. I said something that that me and my wife have been striving to live by. And that is, don't let the rough times cause you to forsake God. And don't let the good times cause you to forget about God. And in this lies the reality of the context of Philippians chapter four, when Paul, he's writing at verse 11, he says, now that I am speaking of not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, many of us have never looked at this scripture through that context. But there's a reality that just like hard times can can just like hard times can push people away from God. Good times can also push people away from God. I've watched hard times and hard trials and temptations push people away from God. And I've watched other people go through the same thing and it pushed them closer to God. I've watched people forget about God when things were going well and they they were sitting on the top of the world. There was a sense of, oh, things are going well, so I don't need God. And I've also watched people have every have things going good in their life and it brought them to a greater place of gratitude. Like, God, thank you. Thank you for for these blessings. Thank you for what you're doing in my life because you don't have to do it. And, and so within this context, Paul is saying, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of whether I was in, in suffering or whether things were going extremely well, he says, I've learned to be content. In other words, he's saying, I've learned to, to, to look to Christ as my source, regardless of my circumstances. He is my source. He is my God. He is my king. He is my savior. He is the lover of my soul, regardless of my circumstances. And he says, I can do all things through Christ. See, a lot of times we don't look at the good times as threatening our walk with the Lord. But some of us forget God as soon as things are going good. Some of us forget. Some of us only remember God when things are going good. And when things get bad, we, we think we, we just like forget God. Listen, we have to have Christ as our source. We need to know the love of God and how much he loves us. We need to know him. That my prayer is like pause, like when he said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know the Lord, y'all. Listen, 
the we have to look at preparation and take it seriously I was looking at Isaiah 58 earlier because fasting is not the only way to deny yourself I think we as Christians we it's great to fast and consecrate but I also believe that the life of a Christian should be that of of, of sanctification and consecration I believe that's a lifestyle that we should be living. And so I was looking at Isaiah 58 where it talks about fasting and the purpose of fasting. And it's interesting because in Isaiah 58, God is speaking to the children of Israel, some of the children of Israel and talking about how they're fasting but they're fasting wrong. They're fasting just to say that they're fasting. They're not really sacrificing nothing. They're not, they're, not, they're not putting down their phone. They're not cutting off the television. They're not really fasting unto the Lord. They're going through the motions, but their heart is detached. And then he begins to go into detail. I'm going to start at verse six, but I want to say this before I read this because I'm wrapping up. But I, I see different churches advertise fasting from sin. <clears throat> like I've seen flyers that say, hey, for 21 days, don't smoke weed. Don't get high. Don't get drunk for 21 days. Don't fornicate. Don't commit adultery. And I'm like, man, that's not how fasting works. Like you don't like we're not to fast from sin. We're to we're to fight against sin in our lives. And, and, and so it's like, man, when I see stuff like that, I'm like, man, we're that's not biblical. <laughs> like, that's not biblical. Like, you don't pre we listen. Isaiah 58. <laughs> I'm about to go on a tangent, but I, let me let me pull it in. Isaiah 58, starting at verse six, he says, is not this the fast that I chose to loose the bonds? And, and now I'm, this is dealing with the purpose of fasting fasting one of the scriptures that deals with the purpose of fasting it says is not this the fast that i chose to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the straps of the yoke to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then sh you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the point of the finger and, and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. 
and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail listen let me say something as you fast or as you deny yourself and you begin to pray and seek the face of God and get in the scriptures as your flesh becomes weak your spirit man becomes stronger and it's different like I handle temptation and stuff differently when I've been in the presence of God I handle trials differently when I've been denying Gabriel when I've been killing my flesh as we say I respond differently to temptation. And so we as believers, there are benefits to deny to denying yourself. Don't listen to the world that is telling you to to hey just love yourself because as the world is saying love yourself, we we're seeing a rise, we're seeing the increase of depression, we're seeing the increase of abortion, we're seeing all of these demonic movements gain traction because as people are loving themselves, they're not denying themselves. And if they're not denying themselves, they're not turning to Christ. They're not turning to Christ. And so we as believers, we can't be conformed to this world, but we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And, and we have to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, as the scriptures say. And so we have to be in the world, but not of it. And so I pray that this this um, episode has been a blessing to you. And if you have any questions or about fast, I didn't go into deep detail about fasting and praying on this show. I probably will touch on it. Um, a little bit more detail next show, God willing. Um, but if you have any questions about anything you've heard on today's show, feel free to write in. You can inbox me on um, Instagram or, or Facebook or email me at pathofrevelationnow at gmail.com. Make sure you guys visit pathofrevelationnow.com. Uh, feel free to donate um, to the ministry. Um, the PayPal is PayPal at um, is path of revelation now at gmail.com or you can cash app um, a love offering to uh, Gabriel T. Parker. Listen, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you share this with somebody. And if you're not subscribed, subscribe to the show. We got a lot of good stuff on the way for this year. But listen, thank you for tuning in to the Path of Revelation podcast. And this is where the culture meets scripture.